things are a lot better now, Lord. Father, she's out of danger. But Father, we know that she was in your hands at all times. So we glorify you for all these things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, tonight, I, I could say that we don't have anything to go over, but I actually do. It, it's kind of interesting that at uh, 4 o'clock, I'm running back to my cubicle in the back and turning my computer on and saying, what am I going to do? What is time? And then the Lord just said, bing, on the top of my head, and he says, relax. Relax. Take a deep breath. Pray. So as I was praying, the Lord uh, just laid upon my heart a teaching that I did for the men's breakfast of about a year ago. And, and it's kind of interesting because I actually was thinking of doing something else, something that I had did during the men's retreat. And the reason why it was because it's interesting. And the last men's retreat, for those of you that remember and those of you that participated, pastor got sick the day, the night before. And um, by the grace of God, the Lord just took care of it, took care of him and took care of everything at the retreat. So, but then the Lord said, no. So what I'd like for you guys to turn to is turn to Romans chapter 7, and we're going to start reading at verse 14. Romans chapter 7, and we're going to read through verse 20. Now, I've entitled this message, Sin. Why is it a battle? Why is sin such a battle? Romans chapter 7, verse, starting with verse 14. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I will agree with the law that it is good. But now... It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but now to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Now, there is no way in the world that I'm going to sit here and try to explain to you guys what all those do's and I do's and I don't do's and I do's. But the thing that I do understand about that specifically is that, is this. That on Saturday mornings, we have a men's Bible study. We meet every Saturday at, at 8 o'clock, and it is a plug for it for those men who, who would like to join us. We're always open for a few more guys. And there was a question that was asked that came up in there. And the question was, can a Christian love to sin. Can a Christian love to sin? Well, in the men's study, I went ahead and asked, how many people think you can, you cannot? Well, we're not going to do that, but you think in your own mind, and you 
don't say it out loud. Don't raise your hand. Just think. Can a Christian... Now, first of all, let's make sure we understand what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It is according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says that he who is in Christ is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things are made new. So it's a regenerated person that we're talking about when we say a Christian. Not just someone who has chosen the label, but someone who truly has been changed from the inside out. Someone who has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them as the sealed mark of God Almighty. That's the Christian we're talking about. Now that Christian, can he, she, or who, and it's a question, love to sin? Well, first of all, we've got to determine what is sin. Now, that may seem like a dumb question. And in reality, it's not. It really isn't because sin, in my view, is a complicated issue. It has many aspects and it has many faces. And the interesting thing is that we want to know what sin truly is. Because how many times have you in your Christian walk, now I'm talking to Christians, and the reason I'm being very... Uh, you know, particular in how I'm saying these things is because this is really neat. I, I'm, I'm kind of excited. This is first time I'm live on Facebook. Hello, everybody on on Facebook. I really don't know if it's even working or not, but I'm saying it, and they're probably out there. Hey, honey, look, the pastor got some cool glasses and a new toupee. No, no, my, my name is Sal. For those of you who just clicked on Facebook, I'm not Pastor Mike. So it's, it's my real hair, and these are my personal glasses because they probably see the little white. Oh, anyways, let's get back to the study. And the thing is, I don't want to change your mind about what sin is. I'm not. I'm going to use the Bible to tell you what I believe sin is. Now, the Bible describes it as simple, missing the mark. Missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. However, sin is sin, right? We, we know that. There's no degrees... All sin is forgiven with the exception of one sin, and that we know it's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So, and we know that blaspheming the Holy Spirit specifically is denying that Jesus Christ is Lord and failing to accept him as your Lord and Savior. That's the only sin that is not forgiven. Well, that's the unpardonable sin. But sin is sin regardless. So, in order to look at this a little bit better, and I really enjoy talking about this particular thing and the guys in the group goes oh Sal you're talking about that again well I kind of like it so let's turn to Psalm 51 let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 51 I'm going to be reading out out of Psalm 51 usually I have everything already printed out but today I didn't get it all done so we're going to be turning some pages Psalm 51 and I want to say that it's my favorite psalm, but I I don't know if it really is, but it's one of my favorites. Psalm 51, and it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Okay. Okay. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. 
key word. Remember that word, transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So the way I look at it is this, is that we're kind of given a picture. Now, I don't want to be dogmatic about it because somebody will probably be able to explain this a lot better than I can. But what I want to look at is that we're given a picture here in Psalm 51 of three, I don't want to say levels, I don't want to say this, but three ways to identify sin. We're given transgression, we're given iniquity, and we're given sin. Well, sin, like I said before, we know it real simple, and the definition is missing the mark. It's a simple. It's, it, it, if I'm trying for the first table and I hit the third table, I miss the mark. How would I describe it? And the way I describe things is how would I understand it is breaking it down to the simplest thing. I wanted to go and to go do something before, as soon as I got off of work today. Okay. Well, I noticed that pastor always comes and says goodbye by 3 o'clock, 3.30. So I finish all my work by 3.30 so that I can leave and then come back for evening service. Well, I was beginning to get mad because he wasn't hurrying up and leaving. And now I'm like, wait, what's going on? You know, I'm thinking, okay, well, and I wasn't bad-mouthing him, but I was beginning to wonder, well, what's going on? Where's pastor? Okay, well, if, if I would have got angry and it just came out and I, and I insulted him with no intent of doing it, but it just, I did it, that would be missing the mark. That's like talking to your husband or talking to your wife, and all of a sudden, she, you know that she knows that button or that he knows that button. And all of a sudden, they push that button, and you get angry. Now, however, getting angry is not a sin, and we're going to touch on that in a minute. But you went ahead and snapped right at him. You know, told him to knock it off or be quiet, or, or you went ahead and pushed the button also. That's what I personally would call missing the mark. Okay, so, so that's the first part, part one. Missing the mark. Okay, sin. Iniquity. Iniquity is a little bit more complicated, a little bit more different. That, I believe, is a good picture of that would be in the book of James. And because of time, I'm not going to go and show you everything. But iniquity. Iniquity is something terrible, something evil, something nasty, something you know, just, it's wrong. It's, it's just wrong. But what it is, it's harboring in your heart. And see, that's the key right there. It's harboring in your heart, and you're meditating on it, and you're getting and all of a sudden, you lash out, not spontaneously, but with intent to hurt. That would be inequity. Thinking evil thoughts, and then kind of wanting to do it, going a bit a little bit farther, now, transgression. Here's the key thing about transgression. Transgression is, I like using the donut analogy. The donut analogy. I know I'm not supposed to eat donuts. Okay? So I have no business going through the hostess aisle at the supermarket. 
okay? Now, but I'm strong enough to leave the hostess aisle, but I go over to Winchell's, and I buy a donut. And I'm even thinking how bad this donut really is, even though it's a chocolate bar, the extra Texas size ones, okay? All right? And I have it right there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm eyeing it, and I go ahead, what the heck? I buy it, I get it in a little bag, I get a napkin in order to cover up the evidence in case it falls on my shirt. Remember, that's important. Okay, I get it, and I'm driving, and I could smell it. And, I, and my mouth begins to water. So what do I do? At the next stoplight, I open up the bag, and I take a bite, and I enjoy it. Now, look at all the times that I went ahead and did what is called a willful disobedience. That is a transgression. That is that transgression. Now, we're told here in Psalm 51 that David had done something pretty bad. And see, and what he did is, those of you that don't know, he's seen a woman taking a bath. He had her brought to him. He had sex with her. He then finds out that she's pregnant. Then he murders her husband, Urias. Okay. So it's a, it's a really good teaching. I mean, I love that, that whole thing. and Not what he did, but the teaching part. Okay. And now he recognizes it. And here's the beautiful thing about this, this psalm. Because it starts off and it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. As he's coming before God Almighty, he doesn't beat around the bush with his little sin or his little iniquity. He goes straight to the throne of God and says, blot out my transgression. Blot out that I meditate. I even thought about it. I smelled the sin. I opened up the bag and I took a bite. The transgression. Then the verse shows that the next thing that he asks, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So I want you to have that picture. I want you to have that picture. Now, probably all of you, especially the people on Facebook, are going to be thinking, donuts. Well, I like using donuts so that I don't hurt anybody's feelings if I talk about pornography or if I talk about committing adultery or if I talk about you put the thing in, you fill in the blank. It doesn't matter because remember we did say sin is sin, but you can take a donut and have iniquity with that donut, but never transgress. You can take that donut and just sin because you're fondling it at the supermarket while it's still in the package. And, but you put it back. But that's a temptation. Now, it figures it'd have to be a cop who laughs about donuts. Okay, but see, we're not, gonna, we're not, we're not even going to go there. I, I, just, I, I, sh I know that I got, okay, nowadays it's muffins. Brand muffins for the older people. It doesn't matter. What I'm saying, it's sin is sin, so you can choose whatever it is that you personally struggle with. Because everyone, you know, there might be one or two of you in here, maybe three, 
Or maybe I'm the only one, perhaps, that, never, that, that struggles with things. Everybody else here are saints. You never sin. You never get angry. You have never missed a mark since service started. You notice how I said since service started. But one of you is already getting mad at me and probably cussing me out underneath their breath. But that's okay. That's all right because you're forgiven. Because I don't know about it. But that's the point that I'm making. It doesn't matter what it is. But you can take the most simplest sin and blow it out of transgression. So so now that you have that picture, I want to show you something in the scriptures. I want you guys to turn to Genesis chapter 4, and I will start reading on verse 1. Genesis chapter 4, starting with verse 1, and I will read through verse 7, and it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time... It came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and it desires, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now, here's the interesting thing. Because this is the first time that, I, that the sin is mentioned in the Bible. Now, there's a few things in regards to this that I find really interesting. Now, first of all, I don't really know everything in regards to this specific scripture. And, and every time I read it, the Lord reveals something new to me. And the first thing that I see is that God respects Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. Now, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering... You know what? You give what you have. Just because yours is from the ground versus his is, is from the flock, if that's who you are and that is what you do, how can you give something? How can you offer something to the Lord that is not you? Then you'd be a poser or a faker, something that you're really not. So it has to be dealing with something in the condition of the heart. The condition of the heart is the most important thing when it comes to the things of the Lord. Because you could try to hide things, but the Lord sees through everything. Now, according to the commentaries, it was consumed by fire. Abel's sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice was consumed by fire. 
So it means, you know, we see that, ooh, that's kind of neat. That's, yes, it is. It's an awesome thing. You are in awe before your God. Now, the thing that I find is that Abel is a keeper of the sheep. Cain is a tiller of the ground. Now, why is Abel mentioned first? Cain was the firstborn. Cain, according to what we're going to see later on in the scriptures, is, has the preeminence. He's supposed to be the main guy. He's supposed to be the next one in line in regards to whatever comes down from the Father. Yet, the Word of God specifically here shows us that Abel is mentioned first. Now, I, I don't know why. I really don't. But I question, not that I'm questioning God, why did you do that? No, I'm just wondering why. I'm wondering if it has to do with the condition of his heart. Okay? Cain is now mentioned first about the offering. That's interesting. Now think about it. He is mentioned second in regards to what he does. So what are you saying, Sal? Depending on what I do, is how the Lord's going to look at me? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what the Bible's saying. I'm just telling you that that's something that I find extremely interesting. I don't know why, but but it is. Because I honestly believe that every single word in the Word of God is there for a reason. There is nothing there by accident. There is nothing there by chance. Every single word is there for us to learn something specifically that we are dealing with in our lives right now or that we're going to deal with in the future. And the main reason is so that we can help minister comfort or guide someone later on. So I'm just going by, you know, I'm just wondering, why, why this? Why flip-flop? Now, they both came together. Now, that's interesting. So I'm wondering, did Abel follow his older brother? I don't know. And I'm not saying that he did. Okay? I'm just saying that the Bible specifically mentions one before the other in regards to one way, but in, in, in something else they mention. But here's the, here's the thing. Cain becomes angry. Now, why would he become angry? You know, maybe because he was thinking, hey, I'm supposed to be first. Positionally, I'm supposed to be the one getting the accolades, you know. And, and, and then I, I wonder, I wonder how, what about us? I was going to say, how do we react when we're not looked as the main person? When we are overlooked, when we as husbands think, well, she didn't treat me as good as she's supposed to. Or the wife says, he forgot Valentine's. And, you know, it's something that we as men need to get right. And I can go into a tangent in, in regards to the guys, and, and believe me, I'd be the first one to beat myself up, okay? 
Okay, but I'm not going to because that's not it. Because Ephesians tells the husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But that, I don't want to go off in there. But what I'm saying is here is just look at the simplistic thing. Do we get angry when someone tells us, oh, the paper towels need to be replaced in the bathroom? Now, for those of you that know who I am, they know that I'm actually the, the guy who replaces the paper towels in the bathroom. So and the first thing I think in getting angry is, well, go get the key, get a roll, and replace it. But that's not, the, that's not what I'm supposed to answer. I'm supposed to go and do it. But I get angry. I, I'm, I'm human. I'm, I get in the flesh. But I'm probably the only one that does that. You guys, you guys are like awesome servants as soon as something needs to be done you guys just get it done and that's really neat but here's the important thing that getting angry is not a sin remember i had mentioned that earlier we see in ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 and 27 it says be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give a give place to the devil the lord said Sin lies at the door, he told them. He told Cain. Sin lies at the door, and it desires for you, but you should rule over it. That's the key right there, and it is for me. Not for you guys. You guys are great. You guys are just here because it is the best thing to do. You don't sin. You don't do anything wrong. Who am I kidding? We're all the same. There isn't anybody who's a saint here. You may be a saint if you're separated unto the Lord, but that's a whole different other study. What I'm saying is this, is that we're all the same. There's none, not one of us, who can actually stand up right now. And you know what? If somebody stood up and said, I don't sin, I'd be scared. I really would. Because I don't know. Maybe they, oh, I don't know. It's just, just it's an interesting thing. But here's the thing. The thing, getting back to what I'm, the message here is this, is that you have an opportunity to not let it go to sin, to not let it go to inequity, to not let it go all the way to transgression. And the one thing that we see here, now for those of you that already read the rest of the book, you know that Cain eventually went and killed his brother Abel. Now that's a pretty big transgression, you know. But here's the thing. We're told right there, it says, The Lord said, Sin lies at the door, and it desires for you, but you should rule over it. The interesting thing here is that in, in actually in Genesis chapter 3, now I should have wrote it down, but I, I, I didn't do it, but I'm going to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Let me find it real quick. Genesis chapter 3, and it's going to be... Uh, I think 16. This is after the fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. It says, To the woman, he said, speaking of the Lord, speaking to the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, that is the same word in the hebrew that's in that is sin desiring to rule over cain as 
the Lord said that the wife will desire to rule over the husband. Not trying to start any fights here in regards to women. Okay, I'm, j- I'm just telling you it's the same word. Don't argue with me because I know there's probably one of you women out there that's ready to throw that purse. If it's a Michael Kors, let me have it. I can sell it on eBay. Finally got you guys to laugh. Good. Okay, so I know you're awake. And it's the interesting thing. It's the same thing. Now remember, that was a curse that God gave in chapter 3, verse 16 to the woman. That was a curse. That she was going to have a lot of pain in conception and a lot of pain with kids. And that her desire was to, for her husband to rule over him. But God said, no, he shall rule over you. And isn't it interesting that that's the same thing that happens over here? And we see that specifically. And let me find it, make sure I get it right so I don't... It says, uh, we're four, it says, and it says, if you, verse 7, if you do well, you will not, you will, oh, I'm sorry. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, do well sin lies at the door and it desires for you but you shall rule over it so the lord is basically telling us that we have an opportunity to rule over sin now first of all i find it interesting now don't think i'm going crazy but it almost tells me that sin has some kind of power Sin has some kind of strength. Sin has some way of getting its little tentacles, you know, on you and drawing you in. Now, we know that the temptation is not a sin. It's what you do with the temptation. So let's look at it real. Okay. It says, for this, for the first time I see that God, this is the first time that God directly speaks to man after the fall, when he spoke to Cain. So God Almighty is speaking the word of God to this man. No, we have the word of God to us, mankind. So it's the same thing. And we're told what to do. We're told what to do. We're to rule over it. Now, the first thing we see is that God specifically tells him that sin lies at the door. Now, that's, you know, it's interesting for me because that's an awesome analogy. Well, that means don't let it in. If it's at the door, let it stay out there, right? Close the door if it's open. Close the door. Lock it. Put a little note on the outside and said. Cell has moved from this address. Don't let it in. Better yet, don't even open the door to look at it. Now, see, that's the interesting thing. Because we see, we see, for example, I gave you about going through the, the hostess aisle, you know, then going over to the donut shop, then looking at the counter, you know, through the glass and... The donut man says, sir, don't smear the glass, please. Back away from the glass. You're, you're, you're putting fingerprints on it. 
because you're looking at the donut too intensely. But see, that's exactly what we do. How many times do we sit there and we're doing something and we realize, well, how far can I go before it becomes sin? Can I just drink this one more drink? Can I just watch this movie just a little bit longer? Can I go ahead and just fight with my wife a little bit more? Fight with my husband? Mistreat others just a little bit more? Oh, no, it's their fault. They did it first. It doesn't matter. We're given the opportunity to close the door before it becomes iniquity. Because it's sin. It tells us, right? Sin lies at the door. It's there. It, you don't have a choice in the matter. But you have a choice to open the door. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 7, it tells us that Jesus is knocking at the door. If you open it, he'll come in. Well, if you don't open it for Jesus, why are you going to open it for sin? I'm, I'm told by looking at these two scriptures that God gives us the power to use a deadbolt. Sin's still going to be there. But it's going to be outside. Okay? Those of you that have been in the military or, you know, do any kind of training with weapons you know that the safest way to protect yourself from a weapon is to be not concealed, but behind cover. The difference between concealment and cover is real simple. If I take this paper and put it in front of my heart and someone shoots it, but Sal, you were concealed behind the paper. But if I take a one-inch piece of slab of steel and put it in front of my heart and they shoot it, I've been covered. And the neat thing is, is that we're covered by the blood of Christ. That is the beauty of it. We have the full armor. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the Spirit. We have the shield. We have the truth. We have the belt. We have everything we have the full armor of God in order to fight. All we have to do is recognize. And see, God told Cain, Cain, recognize, no, sin lies at the door. And its desire is to rule over you. But don't let it. You need to rule over it. And sometimes it's easy to say, you know, yeah, do this, do that. Well, let me tell you, it is hard. It is extremely hard. We all know that Romans 8.28 says that, that all things that happen are for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. We don't know why things happen. But we know that his word is truth. I have to be honest with you guys. Yeah, because before I've been lying. No, no, this is just something that we say. <laughs> no. It, it's, it's so amazing. It blows my mind how God works. You know, the word of God is so awesome, so powerful. It, it, just let me give you an example. Everybody's going through things in their lives. 
But because those things that come into your life, if they're causing you to draw closer to the Lord, at the time that you're struggling with them, whether it's your son who's using narcotics, whether it's your daughter who's pregnant, whether she's being promiscuous, whether your son's being a thief, it doesn't matter. What matters is if you focus in on what God is telling you in the midst of that, and why? is because in the midst of that, that's when, that's when you call out to the Lord. That's when you reach your hands out and say, Lord, I surrender. Come into my heart and comfort me because I belong to you. We're quick to do that. So we're going through these struggles. And all of a sudden you realize that your walk is stronger. You realize that you're not going to the donut shop. You're not looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at. That you're not drinking what you shouldn't be drinking. It is not a sin to drink alcohol. It is a sin to get drunk. So I'm not advocating don't drink. What I'm advocating is the Bible says that it is a sin to get drunk. Okay. So you, all of a sudden you realize, you know, you're closer. Worship is sweeter. His word speaks to your heart in such a way. It comes to remembrance. All of a sudden you remember a scripture and you're thinking like, oh, I didn't even think I knew that one. And then four o'clock comes along. And they tell you, you're going to teach because I'm not feeling well. That happened to me. Now I can go back and look at the last week and a half of my life. God had been preparing me for this night. And you know what? Thank you, Lord. Not because I knew what to do, but because you had prepared everything ahead of time. What I want to encourage you guys is to know that it's out there. But that you know and totally understand how sin desires you. Now, how could it be? I don't want to say that sin has a personality. I don't want to say that sin is intelligent. But our enemy is. Our enemy is. And he'll use anything to disqualify you from being used. And let me tell you how important it is to be available to be used. Okay? Because we have no idea when we're going to get a phone call. When someone's going to come to your door and knock and say, I have some bad news for you. You know? That's one of the biggest fears when you have teenage kids and they haven't gotten home. You look out the window and you're wondering, okay, no car, okay, no news is good news. And then you try to lie down and you can't. You can't. Well, let me tell you, when they become 30 years old, it's still the same. It doesn't matter. You know, I thank the Lord so much that he gave me the ability to see that it's better to struggle with them when they're toddlers and they're four and five than to struggle with them when they're 15, 21 29, 32, 50. Okay? I honestly can tell you from the bottom of my heart that because you go through situations, the Lord is preparing you. So learn. Learn 
what the Word of God is telling you specifically, personally, and corporately. Now, I don't know why in the world I said that, but you guys can figure it out later. But seriously, it's so that you can understand it. Because let me tell you, the Word of God is alive. It truly, truly is alive. It has more power than anything else. You know, um, I was talking about how neat worship is. Okay, two weeks ago, okay, I figured out how to use my Amazon Prime so that I can have a playlist, okay? I, I didn't know how, I've had Amazon Prime for a couple of years, okay? Then finally I got an email and it said that how come I'm not using the music thing that gets for free? And I'm, and I'm like, well, I don't know why. So I created a playlist. And, you know, I figured out how to do that. And it's only like five or six songs because I haven't figured out how to find more. But that's irrelevant. But they're kind of like the neatest songs ever. And it's the same, wor- the, the worship. And, and, and since I listen to them over and over and over again, you, you really begin to, to digest them. Well, the same way, the way you can remember music, you've got to digest the Word of God. You've got to think about it. Now, I love Psalm 51. I really do. I really do. And, and, and I specifically love, love those first two verses because they're so easy to digest and to be able to explain. And, and that's really neat. So the thing that I want to leave with you, and I'm realizing that we're, we're getting there, we're getting close, is that the Word tells us that you do have a choice. When God told Cain that he needed to rule over sin, that means he had a choice. He had a choice in order to do that. Because God's never going to ask you, instruct you, command you to do anything that he doesn't give you the ability, the power, the Holy Spirit in order to do it. The key is, is to recognize that you have a choice, okay? And knowing that when God is with you, you can do it. You could do it, man. You could do it. We, we have a little skins game going on. Skins game for the, the easy, it's golf, okay? For those of you that don't know what golf is, it's you try to win a hole, and each hole is called a skin, whoever gets the best thing. And there's, there's a couple of guys, and then we're always joking and making funny sounds, you know, like, like uh, um, an Anglo-Saxon person, you know, white guy, will try to talk Mexican, and then the Mexican will try to talk like an Irish guy, and so on and so forth. And so the, the one guy, he's always trying to say, you could do it, man, you could do it. And I'm like, you, you can't do it, so be quiet. You know, get out of here. You know, and, and so then we'll mess with him. But in reality, you can do it. You can do it if you stand on the Word of God and it's there to strengthen you and it's there to remind you. Because I like looking at the Word of God. Now, those of you that have sat with me before and I've taught, I I like to get into the nitty-gritty and looking at it. Not because I'm looking for secret things. No, because I'm trying to break it down so a knucklehead like myself can understand. That's the key for me, is if I don't understand it, it, I'm not going to be able to do it just like I couldn't do the Amazon thing or is that is it Amazon yeah Amazon playlist because I didn't understand it 
Till finally they sent me an email and said, hey, dummy, why aren't you using it? This is how you do it. Well, that's the same thing with the Word of God. Now you know that there's no question to ask. When you leave here tonight, you're going to know two things. One is that I have Amazon, okay? And two, that sin lies at the door and that you have the ability, the power, and the knowledge to either close the door, bolt the door down, not open it. It's still going to be there. But you have the ability. Those two things. You know that sin is there. We're never going to get away from it. It's always going to be there. But the key is, if you remember, sin, iniquity, and transgression is that don't let it progress. Go to James, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Now, let me start wrapping things up. Okay. And now, why did all this take place? I honestly believe that it, it had to have been the condition of, of Cain's heart. It just, it just had to be. There's just no way, because it doesn't have anything to do that Abel you know, gave blood. Yes, we have the picture that eventually it's going to be the blood of Jesus Christ. It's going to be for our sin sacrifice. But if you're it, just... If I'm a farmer and all I do is plant corn, but I don't have any goats or any sheep or any lamb, how can I offer something that I don't have? So I know that it symbolizes the future, but I also know that it had to do with Cain's jealousy, Cain's pride, and Cain's sin nature. So, and I don't, don't really have the ability to develop it too much farther than that. But now, let's go back to Romans. Let's go back to Romans. And I'm going to just kind of finish up by talking about in Romans. And it is chapter 7. And we started at verse 18. And I'm going to go ahead and just kind of wrap things up. I'm going to, I'm going to just wrap it up now. Okay, verse 18. Romans Chapter 7, verse 18, it says, For I know that in me that is my flesh, nothing good dwells in it. Now, remind you, I, I, I told you that he, the Bible tells us in, in 1 John 4, 4, it says, He who is in us is greater than he who's in the world because he has overcome the world. So we know that in us, when he's talking about that there's nothing good in him, he's talking about his flesh. But remember, those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. So he's not talking about that. So remember that. Okay. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I, that I will, I do to do, I do not do, but the evil... I will not to do that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of the Lord according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warning against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity 
to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. There is no way that I could take such an awesome passage and try to explain it to you guys. I'm not even going to attempt. But what I am going to attempt is to tell you this. Yes, if we walk in the flesh, we will love to sin. If we walk in the spirit, we will not love sin. Just go back to when you, you know who you are. You know when you walk in the flesh. You know when you walk in the spirit. It's very simple. Because the Holy Spirit never leaves you. Never forsakes you. And you still have the conviction of the Holy Spirit when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Or when you're doing what you're not supposed to be doing. You know? So it comes down to that. You walk in the Spirit, you're not going to love to sin. You're not going to love sin. You walk in the flesh, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. And it's going to cause you to go a little bit deeper. It's going to go from sin to iniquity to transgression. So I leave that with you guys. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord. And it's, and it's your word, Lord. But it's your Holy Spirit that guides us. So, Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you that you are truth and that your strength is what we need. So, Father, I ask one more time for Pastor Mike that, he, that you would heal him, Lord, of whatever is going on in his body, Father. That you would just take it away from him and that he would be able to just be recovered. And, Lord, and come back to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm just going to ask for those of you, those men who who are able, after the last song, if we could just help break down and stack the chairs in five. That's it. Nothing else. We won't we won't do anything else. If we can do that, if you if you are injured in any way, please don't don't take any chances, okay? Because I don't want you letting that sin get get in and then going to be mad at me later, okay? So yeah, thank you guys and God bless you.
God bless you guys. Have a good night.